Welcome back to the party that never ends. This is the amazing podcast that is changing the way we discuss movies on a daily basis. This is an evening at the movies. I am your ever gracious host, the man with all the knowledge, the man who is about to open the cinematic universe to all of y'all. I am Casey and we are fixing to get busy on another episode of the podcast. So we have with us a very special treat for you guys tonight. Joining us today is another fellow member of the ever-present Overlook family, making her debut on An Evening at the Movies, as well as her debut into the podcast world. I have Miss Heather joining me, so welcome to the show, Heather. Welcome. How, how are you? I am actually doing really well. It is Friday. I don't, well, I do have a job, but I ain't got shit to do. So I'm going to record this episode with you. I'm going to enjoy my conversation. I'm going to enjoy the rest of my weekend and we're going to go from there. I'm going to enjoy the rest of my weekend because it's Fallout 76 double XP weekend. So after this, I'm going to go level up a lot. Right on. So if anybody, we're going to get right into it here and well, why say we're going to get into it in a minute? Why not just freaking get into it and we'll get into some of the basics here. Um, Benny and June was released on April 16th, 1993. It was directed by, oh dear Lord, I'm probably going to screw this up, but Jeremiah S. Chechik. We'll go with that. That's probably the less butchered version that I can go with. But yes. Um, MGM is the studio that produced the movie. The screenplay was written by Barry Berman and Leslie McNeil. Um, but I'm going to dispute one fact. MGM owns the right. It was originally produced by a Washington Motion Picture Corp, but it was the only feature to ever be produced by them, and then MGM bought it. It's all part of the big Hollywood freaking... I know, but i like to give a shout out to that small, defunct corporation that tried. Oh, oh no, absolutely. I am all about freaking taking as much credit away from the corporate juggernaut as possible. I don't care if it's Hollywood corporate or whether it's retail corporate and being anti-Walmart. <laughs> Anti-Walmart. <laughs> yeah, I agree there. Anti-Walmart. <laughs> so, but yes, Heather is actually correct. I was just going with 
the major details for the information, but um, basically, I kind of want to make sure that small group phone company that didn't make it, but you know what, they tried. Yes, no, and they get an A for effort too because they help put together an amazing movie. So, um, normally I come up with uh, budget and box office numbers for movies that we discuss. I didn't actually find the budget details for. Give me a minute. I might be able to find them real quick. I'm Googling too as we speak. So am I. It's a, race, it's a race to see who can find it first. I got the box office numbers. I just don't have how much of a budget it had. Sometimes it gives the budget. Seriously, people, come on. Box office gross. <laughs> Yeah, I got the box office numbers. I just don't have the budget to compare it to. Yeah, I. I, I mean, I'm literally not. I mean, I'm was on Wikipedia. I, I think it was a small budget production. I oh, know it, it was a small budget. It, 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 it obviously it's a very small budget movie. I mean, there's no. It's from an era where you don't have all the CGI and all that. So obviously it's not going to rack, it's not going to need, you know, Star Wars, Star Trek, Marvel type budgets. No. It, so we'll just go with the fact that. It did make pretty good the box office money though. Well, yeah, because the numbers I have for the box office were, um, it made $30 million in 1993, which. May not necessarily be huge. But in 93, that was a lot of money. But yeah, no, I because I even have the, the comparison numbers for inflation between 93 and 2021. And I don't necessarily think this is 100% accurate, but they're saying the inflation numbers say in 2021 that it translates to like $55.1 million, which is it. It's not obviously going to break worldwide records like Star Wars or Titanic or anything like that, but I'm sure it. Benny and June made its money back. It may not have made a huge freaking profit, but I'm sure they got their money back at the end of the day. Yep. So. And I did get four nominations it didn't win anything but it did get nominated for mtv movie awards and go and a golden globe jody got it which to me for my own taste, and i'm not trying to put the academy down by any stretch of the imagination but i tend to lean more on like golden globes and sags and 
even growing up, I was a heavy fan of the MTV Movie Awards because a lot of the movies that got honored at those were movies that catered well, towards my taste. Yeah, these nominations are actually Golden Globe and MTV's Movie Awards. So nothing from the Academy in themselves, like always. But well, and you also have to think about two at the same time. And I'm not trying to put Benny and June down by any stretch of the imagination, but it came out in 1993. And if memory serves me correctly, this is the era of the Tom Hanks back to back when he won for Philadelphia and yeah. Forrest Gump. Yep. It's right after Silence of the Lambs won all of the awards in like 90 or 91 when it came out i don't now, remember there's anything. another great movie there was some amazing movies that came out at that time and like i said yeah. nothing against benny and june. benny and june is an amazing movie would i necessarily put it on the same grand scale as forrest gump or philadelphia or silence of the lambs or <laughs> glory or things of that nature probably not but I'm not going to say that it's a horrible movie either. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, we'll get into our feelings. I think it's that. actually probably one of Johnny's more underrated. Johnny and Mary Stuart Matheson both get very underrated in this movie as, as Sam and June both consecutively. Well, and I'm willing to even throw Aiden Quinn in there as he doesn't get a lot of credit for his performance in this movie either, because I honest to me, honestly, I feel like Johnny and Mary and Aiden delivered completely, but I don't want to necessarily get into too much review before we get to that section of the episode. But yeah, I mean, Johnny Depp played Sam in the movie. Mary Stuart Masterson plays June. Aiden Quinn plays her brother, Benny. Um, this is early on in the career of Julianne Moore, even mm -hmm. has a part in the movie, plays Ruthie. Oliver Platt is in the movie, who's gone on to other projects that many, I'm not going to go into listing everybody's projects because we'll be here for two hours. But almost everybody in the movie, if you don't necessarily know the name, as soon as you see their face, you're going to know, oh, hey, that's so-and-so from this or that's so-and-so from that or whatever. Because I mean, CCH Pounder, who played Dr. Garvey, a lot of people may not recognize the name, but they're going to know a lot. Of, well, not necessarily everybody will know, but a big chunk of the American population will know that's Claudette Wims from the FX TV show, The Shield. So, you know, she had a lot of seven or eight years of success with that TV show too after this. So, I mean, again, not a hugely known actor, but it's somebody you probably recognize her face. Um, Daniel Hedea, who plays Thomas. Again, Claire's dad from Clueless. He played Carla's ex-husband in Cheers. Yep. He was Bette Midler's husband in the First Wives Club. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been, you know, he's one of those faces that you don't know his name, but you know, as soon as you, oh, I've seen him in hundreds of things that he's freaking done. I just don't know what his name is. 
same thing could be said for um, Sam's cousin Mike, who was played by uh, Joe Grafasi. I don't even, I haven't looked up all of his details, so I don't necessarily know exactly everything, but I know I've seen him in a handful of things that he's been in. Um, William H. Macy's in the movie. Obviously, he's everybody at this point knows William H. Macy because of um, Shameless. Yep. I mean, everybody loves. Would you believe that I have never actually sat down and watched that show? Well, um, you will. You and I will kind of sort of be in the same club. I think I've only seen two or three episodes of that show, so. Please, my dozens of listeners, don't hate on me and leave me and abandon me because I haven't fully watched the whole series of Shameless yet. It is on my to-watch to list, and I enjoyed the couple episodes I watched. I just haven't gotten there yet, but I will get there. Give me time. It just takes time sometimes to watch everything that comes out. Well, and when you factor in, too, you've got some of these shows like shameless and the walking dead and all of that that have been around for 10 11 12 years that's a lot of freaking episodes to have to binge and watch i mean i'm trying to binge the walking dead right now i have been and it just it's long ago well and yeah i mean not to go too far off on a tangent but yeah that's one of those shows that um, the final season's coming up this fall, and I want to re-watch a lot of the recent stuff because interest may have faded recently over lack of storyline the last year or two. But I'm going to watch the final season, but I want to go back and watch everything prior again. But I'm not going back to episode one. And doing because if I do that, I'm going to be watching The Walking Dead all summer long. And if I've got to do that all summer long, then I'm not going to be producing episodes of this podcast. And let's be honest, I love doing this podcast. And I go through periods where I'll even release two or three episodes a week just because I love doing this podcast. So uh, let's see. Uh, so, yeah. Well, I mean, let's just talk about the opening scene, because the opening scene is Johnny Depp, known as Sam, on a train coming to Spokane. That yep. train is actually known as the Empire Builder. You even know this. And the Empire Builder is classic on its own self for its own history, because it was the first built and privately owned railroad from Seattle to Chicago. Yeah, because back in the day, you didn't have, you know, thousands of freaking tracks from the west to the east. You had one or two major lines that would have gone from like Seattle to L.A. or. There wasn't even one that went from Seattle to L.A. There was one that went from L.A. to Chicago and along that line. And then the majority of the rest of the track was laid back east. Yeah. And so the person who decided to build our railroad 
Hilliard. <laughs> Shout out to Hilliard. Uh, when he decided, he decided that Seattle needed a railroad, and mm -hmm. since nobody was going to give Seattle a railroad, he was building a railroad, and that's exactly what he did. Because I mean, that basically brings you right down to we go into Benny's Auto Shop. Yeah. And Benny's Auto Shop is actually in Hilliard. Because in Spokane, we actually have, not only do we have the city, the city itself has sections of the neighborhoods that are all labeled as their own individual areas. Mm -hmm. So we have like Keyshville Valley, we've got Brown's Edition, we've got the South Hill, and also Cannon Park up here on the South Hill. And then you go down, you've got our downtown area, and you go out from downtown, you've got our north side then you've got hilliard where the tire shop's located at mm -hmm. and then you go out and you've got all of the greater eastern part of yeah then you go out towards the valley and the valley wasn't really anything back in 93. it was kind of there but it wasn't no I mean... it was really small in the last 28 years, like we were saying earlier, the entire, the entire Spokane community has grown leaps and bounds. And let's be honest, too. I mean, I'm just going to go and I'm not trying to take credit for any kind of growth and development. But Washington State as a whole in probably the last 10 years or so is growing leaps and bounds. I mean, Seattle is coming apart at the freaking seams. Olympia is coming apart at the seams. Spokane is growing leaps and bounds on a daily basis. Spokane and Spokane Valley, because in 1993, yeah. Spokane and there was the Valley, but they were one city. Mm -hmm. And about 2000, they split from being one city to two cities. So now we have the city of Spokane Valley, and then we have the city of Spokane. Mm -hmm. And even like the last time I was in Spokane, it wasn't like that. And it hasn't been that long since I've been in Spokane. So, you know. I mean, I remember up here on the South Hill when you could do it, you could not you could go past 50th and it'd be nothing but land now here in spokane you drive up past 50th up here on the south hill you just start running into apartment complex after apartment complex after apartment complex uh-huh well and it's that way everywhere you know all the empty open land that was a part of our world when you and i were growing up is slowly disappearing in favor of development but you know not to get on a political soapbox because that's no not... let's not go there yeah the development's great though yeah no i totally get it. i mean obviously our society is growing leaps and bounds and you know our population numbers are obviously not the same as it was back in you know, the 70s when I was born or the 80s when Heather was born. But yeah, I mean, if our numbers are going to 
continue to grow like they are, we're obviously going to need places to stick people. And well, we'll just stop that subject at that point because I don't want to get into the whole the homeless community because <laughs> that's one of those really hot. Well, I don't know about other places in the world, but it's really, 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 really a hot button uh, sides of the aisle. The Our, homeless tried to set Spokane on fire last night. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> so, um, just to finish up the cast aspect here, really quick, um, Eileen Ryan plays Mrs. Smale. Smale. That is an odd freaking name to give a freaking character, but hey, it works. But everybody that worked with June was called a smell. Yeah. So before we get into diving deeper into the plot, um, I came up with some fun facts because that is rapidly becoming a mainstay segment of the show and i actually kind of enjoy it because i find new things that i had never known about movies that we were doing but um some of the stuff that i learned about this movie that i hadn't necessarily known before um mary stewart masterson did a lot of the paintings in the movie herself yep which from the stuff I saw and have always seen in the movie, I think obviously she has another secondary talent as a talented painter. Cause I think she did ama an amazing job with that stuff. Um, this one I actually did know and um, I wanted to add it in just because of um, it's become kind of a running joke. Some of the last couple episodes because um and it goes back to uh jennifer higgins coming on and doing the edward scissorhands episode with me and her coming back and doing beetlejuice with amanda and i but if you don't necessarily know a lot of the backstory you're not going to necessarily know but um for history of the show we're just going to call her wino but Okay, if you don't know the history, Winona Ryder yeah. was set to play June in the movie, contract signed, ready to yeah. start production and all of that, but a major life occurrence happened before starting filming. She was, at the time of signing her contract, dating one Mr. Jonathan Edward Depp. That's probably not his middle name. I'm just being witty. But yes, Winona and Johnny were dating at the time. And before filming started, she and Johnny broke up. Correct. If she's going to play June and Johnny's going to play Sam, I could kind of sort of see why one of the two of them at least would probably want to back out at that, at that moment. But... Yeah, and, I, and I'm glad it was Wynonna because I can't see her playing Jim. No, yeah, I totally agree. And let's be honest, especially Mary, with movies that Mary are Stewart Masterson, she killed that role. She killed oh, yeah. it. Well, and we're going to get into here in just a second. Well, let's just do it right now. 
Um, one of the main fun facts that I always tend to come up with is um, other choices that the studios had for some of the lead actors in the movie. So let's just say this. Johnny Depp, Aiden Quinn, and Mary Stuart Masterson were not the first choices for any of them. Benny June, Benny June, and Sam. We will go in reverse order um, of three on down to one. But um, before it was Johnny Aiden and Mary Stuart Masterson, it was Johnny Depp, Woody Harrelson playing Benny and Laura Dern playing June. They also tried to get Buster Keaton to play the role of Sam. Yeah. Which no offense to Buster Keaton. Buster Keaton is a Hollywood icon, but I like the dynamic of somebody doing a Buster Keaton-esque version of Sam more than necessarily it being straight up. Buster Keaton doing himself. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just didn't make sense. Yeah. But as far as like the Woody, Laura Dern, Woody Harrelson, Laura Dern, and Johnny Depp situation goes, um, ultimately Johnny Depp was offered um, Benny and June and Indecent Proposal at the same time and he opted for choosing indecent proposal which caused him to get sued for five million dollars for breaching his contract but at the same time because woody backed out laura dern backed out which would ultimately cause them to move on to the three actors that they got being aiden quinn mary stewart masterson masterson and johnny depp before that, the studio's second choice for Benny and June were Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon. Shout out to a keen character. Huh? Shout out to someone who played in a king movie. Oh, whoa, yeah. Tim Robbins is the, star, the star of one of my all-time favorite king movies. And redemption. yes, and more than likely that movie is going to just a forewarning people. Um, September is going to be Stephen King birthday bonanza month, and the whole month of September, we are going to bombard you with the greatness of King Cinema. And Shawshank Redemption will, I am 99.9% sure, be one of the movies that we address during the month of September. So the first time I saw Shawshank, I was actually in my criminal justice class at high school. Really? Yeah, really. Wow. Yeah, Shawshank. And he, he, he aired it, and then we actually ended up having to write a, a debate-style um, report that we had to debate on whether he was guilty or innocent. And what we thought that's interesting because and i'm going to save that discussion for a later date well yeah i actually really want to save that discussion for when we do shawshank redemption episode of an evening at the movies because that discussion as to whether andy 
killed his wife and the golf pro or not could be the meat and potatoes of a rather detailed discussion that could take up almost a whole episode. That's how come my my criminal justice teacher got away with it was because literally he could structure a whole the whole class was essentially just structured over that movie. Uh-huh. So that was pretty much all we talked about that whole thing was because it's the criminal justice system. Oh, and it shows rather clearly and distinctly how I'm not going to lie and say our criminal justice system is a perfect. It's not perfect world right now, but even as fucked up as it is now, imagine how fucked up it was in the 40s or 50s when the Shawshank Redemption was taking place. Or even back during the Great Depression when the Green Mile takes place. You know, because, well... Well, Shawshank and Green Mile relatively take place in the same amount period of time. Yeah. I've kind of done some more research. They're done in that early 1930s. Yeah. Which, speaking of the Green Mile, let's go ahead and get the studio's first choice for... Benny and June out of the Tom way. Hanks. Tom Hanks was the studio's first choice to play Benny. Their studio's first choice to play June was Julia Roberts. Yep. Again, I get their choices. I see why Tom Hanks would have been desirable at that point that's right about the philadelphia he's really coming into his own as one of the great all-time actors in hollywood julia roberts at the time was white hot pretty woman pretty woman yeah i mean came out within that same period of time yeah pretty woman flatliners around that same time and all the other movies that she was doing at the time and you know she's gone on to great movies since then as well so and tim robbins is an amazing actor my hat off to him he's been in a handful of amazing movies that i love bull durham shawshank redemption and others as well susan sarandon is an awesome actress you know, I won't say bad things about any of those choices as actors. I'm just not 100% sold that they were the right fit for this movie. No, I think that the actors who ended up in the role were the right fit for this movie. Like, everybody who was cast. Yeah. And I mean, I, huge, I have always, from going all the way back to season four of cheers when he arrived on the scene after um the guy that played coach passed away and they had to recast yeah dance and sidekick and woody harrelson showed up on the scene i have loved woody harrelson 
in almost everything that I've ever seen Woody Harrelson in. I've seen some stinker stuff that Woody Harrelson has done. I'm not going to lie. I, I have too, but I still have seen almost everything he's ever done. But yeah, I love the character of Woody Boyd. I love, I love his portrayal of Larry Flint in People versus Larry Flint. I love him as... He did a great job in People versus Larry Flint. Yeah, exactly. I love him as um, what's his face from the Hunger Games, you know. Oh, that with that he he, he he yeah, he still killed it. Yeah, well, and that's one of those things. Woody Harrelson had disappeared for a decent period of time too, kind of like yeah. Johnny Depp did during the middle to late '90s, and then all of a sudden, Pirates of the Caribbean fell into his lap, and bam, Johnny Depp's back on the scene, and Johnny Depp is one of the hottest, highest paid, most sought after actors in Hollywood now. It so, was for a minute till some other stuff happened. Yeah, we're not going to get into that one either because... Yeah, I, but we stand with Johnny Depp. I have a whole lot of anger and resentment about that, and I really don't want to get into the whole discussion about picking sides as to who feels about what and who did what, who didn't do what, and... I mean, that's for the criminal justice system to decide, and we'll leave it at that. I just believe that he should be able to film. That's all I believe. Like well, you yeah. said, leave everything else alone in the criminal justice system. Let him just fucking work. Excuse my language. Well, yeah, I mean, we're not, ultimately, Johnny Depp was accused of doing things by his ex, Amber Heard, and again, like I said, we're not going to go into who, who said what, whether she did it or, not, or whether she's trying to sabotage his career or the whole Me Too movement or any of that, because that can be a very polarizing topic. And I respect my listeners' opinions, and I would hope that in turn we can be respectful towards each other. But yeah, I mean, there's a whole lot of drama between him and his ex, and whether he did the things that she's accusing him of or whether she is falsely accusing him of the things that she says he did, that's for it's other people. For court. Yeah, that's for the courts to decide. I think he should just be able to work. He be allowed that's to work. He, that's all I think. I get the fact that Disney doesn't want that dark cloud hanging over one of their big studio productions being the um, Fantastic Beasts. Let's not even go into Disney. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, he ultimately, he deserves to be able to work. She deserves to be able to work. And if everything plays out and things are, one of the two entities is found guilty, then in this situation should if be it's done. Stuff, yeah if it if one of the two if she's found guilty of accusing him of falsely accusing him of things or he's found guilty of doing the things that she said he did then at that point let's crucify the guilty but not till then because it's yeah. supposed to be innocent until proven guilty and justice is blind yes exactly but like i said no politics so no, that's just stating what should be the truth oh i agree with you 100 but uh, 
we'll get back to finishing up these fun facts really quick. But um, uh, the uh, physical comedy sequence in the park with um, Benny June and Sam, Johnny Depp did all of his own stunts for that. I could confirm that as the truth. So, yeah, amazing. I mean, we'll get to this when we get to one yeah, of Yeah, I'm just saying I, I, I can't confirm this as the truth. Um, after that, you've got the exterior shots of the cafe where Ruthie works is the Milk Bottle Cafe. In no, it's, the, it, it's actually Fergus it's the Cafe. Well, the way I had read it was the exteriors were one restaurant in Spokane. The interiors were a different restaurant. Ironically, both restaurants, I don't know if they still are or what. I know there was a fire. Oh, everything's fine. But either way. The they are side by side. But that's one thing that is actually a misrepresentation that I'm going to clarify. When you see Ruthie and you see Benny with that back door, uh -huh. that back door is actually Ferguson's Cafe, not the milk bottle. See, that leads you to believe that internet jockeys are publishing falsehoods on the internet. So don't believe everything you read on the internet, people. No, I'm going to clarify that correctly. And that fire you're talking about, that happened pretty much where Ruthie would have been standing in that scene. Oh, go figure. Either way, before we get too far past or too much into this or past this fact, um, I want to let everybody know that Heather went around the community and took pictures of different locations that are still in the Spokane community and whatnot. And they are posted on the group, our An Evening at the Movies group page. So if you are interested in going and seeing some of the sites from the movie, yeah, you can go check out the Facebook page group. And she's got some really cool pictures from different scene or different settings from around the community including, is actually a major scene in the movie yes well yeah i mean she's got uh, pictures from inside the ferguson's cafe which is where shout out to them for letting me take the pit exactly if you guys are in the spokane community and would like to go check out and get some good cafe food go check out Ferguson's and let them know that an evening at the movie sent you that direction. So, but yeah, yes. I gotta go let them know once the podcast drops so they can listen to it because they want to hear it. Yes. So yeah, shout out to Ferguson's and the fact that they according to what I read and Heather can confirm or deny this, but the um, counter in the movie where Johnny Depp has the, does the little dance of the roles in the beginning. 
is still actually the counter that they use to this day? Yes, I, that's, the, that's the counter picture I took. So yes, holding on to a piece of Ferguson's history. And there's, I believe I even saw in some of the pictures that you posted, there are pictures on the wall even of- Them sitting there filming the scene. Yeah, there's pictures on the wall from the filming. So yes, holding on. There is a table in Ferguson's that is actually signed with Mary Stewart Matheson, Adrian Quinn, and Johnny Depp. Right on. Now, don't quote me if that's correct because I haven't ever found the table myself yet, but I'm told that there is a table that is signed by Johnny Depp, Adrian Quinn, and Mary Stewart Masterson when they film that scene. Well, if I'm a cafe proprietor, I probably would want said actors to, because it's not like these are no name, nobodies you, you don't know are going to stick around or not. Johnny Depp at this point in 1993 had had a moderate level of success with movies that he'd done. Mary Stuart Masterson, same thing. Aidan Quinn, same thing. I mean, they had had careers at this point, so they had names. So if, yeah, if you own the cafe, why not latch onto, hey, would you please sign this table or sign this so we can hold on to a piece of Hollywood memorabilia? But I think they're trying not to advertise it there too. So um, last fun fact that I came up with was the idea, if you know the movie, you know that um, Aiden Quinn's character, Benny, is a auto mechanic yep originally according to what i read online benny was not originally supposed to be an auto mechanic he was supposed to be a new york born psychiatrist i don't know if i like that idea because i <laughs> i think it totally changes the dynamic of the movie wouldn't make any sense because then he would understand everything June's going through. Yeah, exactly. And that's part of the mystique of the movie is he doesn't understand exactly everything that his sister is going through. And he doesn't even fully understand the things that he's emotionally going through at the time. Yeah, because most people, another thing that I've always noticed is most people assume when the title is Benny and June, that Johnny Depp is Benny. No, Benny is Adrian. Adrian, Adrian. Quinn, yeah. Quinn, and it's all about the actual relationship between Benny and June. How well, he I, doesn't I, understand his sister. Well, and I was going to bring this up when we got to um, getting closer to wrapping up the episode, but. There really is technically two versions of this story going on at the same time. Yeah, there's the love story between Sam and June, and then there's the relationship and dynamic between brother and sister. Yeah. So, and we'll get into that towards the end. But yeah, it, yeah, it, 
I had always assumed go when I first saw this movie that yeah, okay, it, Johnny Depp's in the movie, so obviously Johnny Depp is Benny. No, no. When I first saw the movie, I was like, okay, and it's actually, you know, twenty some odd minutes into the movie before you even, I mean, you see Johnny Depp in sitting in a tree in the opening, and you see him sitting in the tree in the beginning, but it's a little bit into the movie before you actually get fully introduced into the character of oh, Sam. Sam. So mm-hmm. I think that was um, the last of my fun facts. So um, plot. I guess, unless we have something else we need to, you would like to share as well. No, not right offhand, not that I can think of. Well, we can start into the plot and if something pops up that we need to discuss, we can pause to discuss as well. So um, basically the movie is about um, Benjamin Benny Pearl and his mentally ill sister, Juniper June Pearl who live together following the accidental death of their parents. Um, June ends up joining into a poker game that her brother is a regular at. But he was too busy that night to join the poker game. So yeah. he was in his place. So she ends up playing poker with, um, I believe it was Mike and Thomas, right? I believe so. And mind you, this poker game, they're not necessarily betting money per se. They're betting oddities. Eric, one of the, that, the house is actually is supposed to be owned by Eric, Betty's coworker, Eric. Hmm. Okay. I have some stuff pulled up, so I looked real quick. Okay. So they're actually at his co-worker Eric's house and it's a poker game. Okay, well, that works too. Either way. But anyway, they bet services and... Coax cable. Co- yeah, coax cable, uh, baseball tickets. Um, a car. Yeah, little odd things. Well, during this poker game that June is playing with Mike and Thomas um, Mike throws in that if he wins he bets that if he wins that June has to take on his cousin cousin and ultimately June thinks she's got a winning hand with a flush and um Mike ends up beating her with a full house. So unbeknownst to Benny, he now has to open his house and take on Mike's cousin, Sam. (coughs) Sam was outside taking his cousin's car apart. Yeah, and doing the things that Sam does, the oddities that Sam does. So. And so then Benny gets mad and pretty much walks off with Sam. He takes him. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then you kind of get into where Sam's now living in the house. And uh, they need a housekeeper. They need a new smell because June's smell had just quit at the beginning of the show. Yeah. And um, in a way, you know, I had it written down, you know, with her helping Sam when it comes to him struggling with writing to his mother. Yep. Because Sam uh, can't read or write. Yeah. Um, going to a local diner where Ruthie is working. She takes them on an errand and then takes them home. After Ruthie stays for dinner, her car won't start and Benny drives her home. That beginning the development of that relationship between those two. But ultimately, meanwhile, <laughs> while June and Sam are left alone, they end up kissing. Yep. Benny and on the other side of the equation, Benny and Ruthie, Ruthie are off having a fun date, but Benny abruptly ends it because he wants to get home to June because he's that um, type of brother who, because of the way that their parents were taken from him, he knows that he's going to be the lifelong caregiver of his sister. And he doesn't see that dynamic of their relationship ever coming to an end. So, all right, where was but I? But it really does show Benny does love his sister. Yeah. Uh, let's see, where was I on my writing? Uh, Sam ends up going to a video store to try to apply for a job there. Um, that's followed by the three of them, Benny, June, and Sam, going to the park, where Sam starts doing tricks with his hat, attracting uh, audience. Um, he does his, you know, physical comedy routine like we addressed during the fun facts and we'll get to here again shortly, but um, it's a very physically comedic performance that in my estimation, Johnny Depp did an amazing job with, especially knowing that he did all his own stunts and flips and all that for the movie. So Hats off, Mr. Depp, for your performance in that scene. Amazing. Uh, after said performance, um, they're leaving the park, and Benny ends up staying at the park to reflect and sends June home with Sam, where they end up um, doing some brown chicken brown cow. <laughs> and they end up... Um, well, we'll just be polite and respectful. They make the love. And ultimately what it boils down to is Sam then tells June that he loves her, which June reciprocates, which all up in the fields now, you know, the love story dynamic between the two of them is developing. <coughs> um at this point, upon the reflections, Benny is, you know, the wheels are turning in Benny's head about suggestions to Sam about his comedy routines and developing uh, an act to give him a career, uh, what, what do you say, a career path? Yeah, trying to give him a career path. <laughs> and... Um, 
June actually becomes agitated and makes Sam explain that he and June are romantically involved, which ultimately instantly pisses Benny yeah. off. And Benny ends up throwing Sam out of the house. Yep. No more living with the Benny and the June. You yep. are excommunicated from my life. So. Uh, and then Benny. Leaves. That, well, yeah, this is the point where because throughout the movie, um, June's psychiatrist has been pushing Benny to make a decision about whether or not to put June in a group home. Yep, and he doesn't want to. He and he really doesn't, want, doesn't to. want to. He's, he's that brother figure who, like we said, is all about taking care of his responsibilities and being there for his sister and all of that. So he doesn't really want to go that, down that road. But upon him throwing Sam out of the house and June having a major meltdown over it, he basically ends up not literally slapping her in the face, but literally ends up, bam. Yeah, throws that he's This going is where you're place. going. I'm tired of this shit. I've had enough. I'm putting you in a group home. I'm putting you in a group home. <clears throat> Which causes her to ultimately close herself off from and him. He decides he is going for a walk. Or drive car, one of the two, but I'm pretty sure he walked. He goes, yeah, this is when I he ends up going to have a discussion with Rufi, Ruthie. Ruthie. He's trying to get tapioca pudding. <coughs> like, is there anything I can do? And she's like, tapioca pudding. Yeah. Well, that's not. And so he ends up going to get the tapioca pudding and has the conversation with Ruth. Remember. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get a bottle of water. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, we're basically building up here really quickly to ultimately what's going to go down. And ultimately, while Benny's away, Sam returns to the house because his lover. Is, he actually saw Benny leave because he was just kind of hanging out waiting. Hanging out in the trees. Because mm -hmm. that's what Sam does. But yeah, he ends up returning to come back after June and they end up leaving, which um, causes uh, emotional like breakdown for June because she... June is one of those type of characters where I don't necessarily want to say it's directly similar to like Dustin Hoffman's character in Rain Man, but um, to have her daily routine altered in any way, shape, or form can be completely destructive to her functionality in society, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I get that. I really do get that. And ultimately, yeah, she ends up having a complete meltdown, meltdown on, the bus, on a city bus. Where, you know, you've got Sam pulling on the emergency 
you know, on the police stop line to let the driver know what's going on and he needs to stop and he's not necessarily stopping. So the situation keeps escalating more and more and more. And you ultimately boil down to, they finally get the bus stopped. Everybody cleared off of the bus. Sam and June are the only two people left on the bus. And he's trying to be the emotional rock that she needs, but can't necessarily be there because she's in a situation mentally where she's closed off to everything around her. Would that be a correct way of putting it? Yeah, she's in the midst of something. It almost looks like there's, she's hearing some kind of voice in her head, the way she reacts. And it's never really given what her mental diagnosis is, but I've always kind of led more towards the paranoid schizophrenic diagnosis. Yeah, I, I went, like, like I said, when I was starting to describe that, I wouldn't necessarily put it in the same category as autistic, like Dustin Hoffman's character was in Rain Man. But there's aspects of the two characters that fit together with like to having your daily routine. I mean, obviously Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise in that movie are traveling cross country. And, you know, if uh, Raymond misses people's court, then he goes into a friggin' incredibly large meltdown. You know, that isn't necessarily the exact dynamics of June's character, but there is some similarities to the fact if you alter her day-to-day -day routine in any way, shape, or form, it's too much for her. Yeah, you see that in the very beginning of the movie when Johnny Depp's friend in the clean house. You see her like, yeah. You yeah, because he's all dusting and mopping and sweeping, and he's got music playing, but it's too loud. Yeah. And, and she's trying she to say it's noise. too loud. It's sensory overload for her. Yeah, and I get that. I, I actually feel that one. I know what sensory overload feels like. It's not fun. Well, no, and I've got to... Getting taken to an ambulance and put into a hospital. Committed, basically. Not even going to a group home, going to a freaking mental institution. Where she doesn't want to see Benny or Sam, period. She just don't want to see no one. But at the same time, Benny has a epiphany and he and Sam ultimately end up getting back on the same page because Benny knows he needs to be there for his sister, but he knows he can't get in to see his sister. He's tried to get in to see his sister. He knows that she doesn't want to see him, but he also knows that Sam loves his sister. So they end up teaming up together to get into the hospital so that he can see and talk to his sister because he has an idea of how to ultimately hopefully make everybody happy make everybody in the situation happy whether it's himself and ruthie or Sam or just june or however this whole thing is going to play out we're not getting to the spoilers yet but you know he's willing to be a little bit more um, pliable and not be as rigid about and strict about no this 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 and this 
he's willing to give things a try as he tells her. You know, he comes up with the idea of um, there's an apartment open in uh, Ruthie's building. Ruthie is also a landlord in the story, so she's able to be able to keep an eye on June as well. Yeah, which is why he, when he presents the idea to June, he's like, why don't we try this? He's not saying it's going to work and it's going to, and we don't know ultimately if it ends up working completely at the end of the movie, but you know, it's an idea. It's worth trying. If it doesn't work, you can come home and I will still be here for you. <coughs> Excuse me. But ultimately Sam has to sacrifice himself to the orderlies so that Benny can get in to see his sister. And then they have the discussion about the trying the apartment and all of that. And she ultimately agrees. And we lead into from there, you know, a short period of time later down the road, you know, she's in her apartment and uh, Benny shows up at the apartment and basically I believe he asked Ruthie if she's home and she's all like yeah in there and he walks in and oh, through a half open door sees um, June and Sam making grilled cheese sandwiches with an iron because we hadn't even discussed that part of the movie earlier but that was one of the things that Sam one of the little intricacies of Sam's personality was as he's moving into Benny's house and you're starting to learn what he's all about, you know, he has a quirk about making grilled cheese sandwiches with a clothing iron. Interesting. It actually works. Oh, I'm sure it does. I've never tried it before. I make my grilled cheese sandwiches on the stovetop like everybody, well, 99.9% .9 of the population, but I'm, I'm not judging. If you want to make your grilled cheese sandwiches with a cold. I, I was just curious, so I tried it one day just because it was in the movie and I wanted to say I tried it. Yeah. I also tried the peanut butter milkshake. June's concoction. That actually might not be a bad idea to try one day. I might have to do that. Um, <laughs> but no, I can imagine. Concoction, you know what I'm saying? June's concoction, yeah. Yeah, I, I imagine if you get an iron hot enough and you prepare the bread correctly, you know, you can turn a, low, a piece of a cheese sandwich into a grilled cheese sandwich with an iron. I don't see why you couldn't. But it's one of the cute little niceties of the movie that, you know, give the movie the heart that it has. Also, kind of like June's peanut butter concoction, which is just milk, peanut butter, and peanut butter Captain Crunch. Yeah. That's all it is. Well, and that's one of the things that works for her. And, you know, she has it on a daily basis in the morning. You know, I would imagine if you take that aspect out of her daily routine, she's probably not going to react well. 
But I can also say that's not necessarily a personality thing, don't you? I know a whole lot of freaking health nut psychos that if you take their freaking, you know, protein shake out of their breakfast routine, they're going to be grumpy ass people come the end of the day. Nothing against healthy people, nothing against people that, you know, live that lifestyle. Because I know I have some friends that are like that and not necessarily, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. You know, but yes, you know, you alter somebody's, you know, dietary routine in any way, shape or form like that. And yeah, it can throw you off and you may have a bad reaction to it emotionally. Again, not judging. I know what I went through personally when I got diagnosed as type two diabetic and I had to start weaning off of the amount of soda that I drank on a daily basis. I was a grouchy ass freaking grizzly bear for about two and a half weeks. I, I, the only sugar I really consume is pop, is Pepsi. I'm like addicted to Pepsi. But otherwise, I don't really eat a lot of sugar. Yeah, sugar isn't good for me. I have my moments where I go back and forth with it, but you know. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, Benny sees them making the grilled cheese sandwiches and he sets the flowers that he brought to give his sister down in the doorway. And, you know, I don't remember if he backs away and leaves or if he just stands there and watches until the credits start rolling them. Making it looks the like, if I remember correctly, he backs away and leaves and then the credits start rolling. Which, you know, Again, it doesn't lead to, I mean, it wraps everything up in a nice little bow. So you don't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily give you the whole, so is this something that's going to work or is she going to end up moving home or blah, 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 blah. Let's just, it gives you the happy, the happily ever after moment in the movie that the movie needs and wraps it up in a nice little pink bow and sends you home with a smile on your face. Or maybe crying happily. Or, yeah, maybe crying happily. I, you know, to each their own. You know, cause I'm not going to lie. I, I get emotional watching movies and even like the scene on the bus, you know, I get choked up watching that because I understand what not maybe not necessarily fully from experience but i can understand the emotional turmoil that june's going through with the sensory overload and all of that so i get choked up watching that you know i there's other movies that i cry at i don't care and we're not going to go into this one again because i've named a few of them before but you know there i'm not ashamed to say that there are some well-written movies that I don't care if I've seen them a hundred times or not. I still shed tears while watching. I know that I still cry every time I watch Five Green Tomatoes. Yeah, that's an awesome movie. I have been watching The Wizard of Oz for 43 some odd years of my 44 years on Earth. And, I try to watch The Sound of Music every year, and it's a wonderful life. Yeah, same thing. I mean, 
the end of the Wizard of Oz when she's saying goodbye to all of her friends. I'm a freaking bawling freaking fool. I don't care how many times I watch the freaking Green Mile when it gets to the end of the movie and they strap Michael Clark Duncan into the electric chair. You better have a freaking case of freaking tissues on hand because I'm freaking Niagara Falls coming out of my eyes. I cry with Green Mile. I also cry when Hugh Edward. Oh, in the middle of the movie? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We'll and we'll get into that when we do because the Green Mile is going to be a part of Stephen King Birthday Bonanza Month here in a couple months too. So we'll get that one out of the way as well. That's going to be a complicated week for me to have to go through and watch that movie again and do all the notes and everything for that because I'll be an emotional wreck for the better part of a week. But either way, I love that movie and we'll get there. So that's pretty much the plot of the movie. Um, I think for as far as like favorite quotes and parts of the movie that I have, I basically have like two and it's actually one of them is a dialogue exchange between Benny and June and Sam. And then the other is the fact that I love, love, love over the moon, love the park scene with all three of them where you have the physical comedy routine that, Sam does. I had serious hats yeah, off to Johnny. Hats off to Johnny for off. He's freaking amazing. But uh, yeah, the I, I, I like. Go ahead. Yeah, I I have to agree to hat scene is probably one of the best scenes in the whole film. Yeah, and the. Uh, dialogue part that i had that you know makes me kind of snicker from time to time is when benny and june meet sam for the first time and they're getting introduced and he and benny's like i'm sam and or i'm benny and sam responds with with an n and he's like uh yeah two of them and then June's like, I'm June. And he's like, with an N? And he's and she's like, one. You know, it kind of smart assy and kind of witty at the same time, but you know, it's it's cute and it makes me smile. So I hold on to that as one of my favorite lines per se of the movie. So did you have anything like that that you wanted to add in? Probably my favorite scene is out of the whole entire film is when Benny, June, Sam, and what's her name? Ruthie are all sitting in the house and they're watching the movie and Johnny starts mouthing all of her old lies. Yeah. And you watch this Julianne Moore face. It's like, you know everything. That is probably by far one of my favorite scenes. Well, yeah, because I've had moments before in my life where I feel like a movie, a movie encyclopedia where I can literally sit there and 
I can have somebody walk into a room, pick a DVD off the shelf, put it in, and I'll literally sit there and watch the entire movie and line for line, ba-doop, 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 all the way through the entire movie. And it's like, wow, you're a cinematic savant. And I'm like, it's not as much anymore because I've kind of sort of let that talent go. But yeah, I, I, st- I still have movies that I can do that with, whether it's, you know, Wizard of Oz or uh, The Crow or whatever. There's still a handful of small or handful of movies that I can do that with. Well, for me, like the movie Snatch, Guy Ritchie's film Snatch, mm-hmm. there's this one scene in there where they start talking about London and just the quote to go with that scene is just so amazing. And it's by far probably one of my favorite movies. And I could quote almost all of it, including Brad Pitt's Pikey language. Yeah. And mind you, Pikey, that lit, they talk so fast in that movie. Oh, yeah, they do. But it's by far one of my favorite movies. Like, I've had it stolen numerous times and I've had to go replace it because somebody takes it. Yeah. I, I mean, I've even had DVDs that I've worn out because I've watched them so many times. So I totally get that. No. But, you know, as far as like reviews go for the movie, I mean, in my honest opinion, Benny and June is a complex psychological story that ultimately is told in the simplest form possible. It's deeply psychological, like I said. It's funny. It's dramatic. It's a well-rounded, full, and rich story. I personally... You laugh, you cry, you root for everybody. Yeah, exactly. And honest to God, if you're listening to this episode and you haven't seen Benny and June... I highly recommend you run your little happy butt out there and go find it on. Well, if you can find it on a streaming service, good luck because I couldn't find it on anything. It is not on any streaming service. I have never found. I I believe I've only found it once on Netflix. Yeah. Normally you have to pay for it. It is like $3.99. I found it this morning on Amazon Prime, but you have to rent or buy. Yeah, that's pretty much how it always is. You've got to rent or buy it. But lucky for me, I have it on Blu-ray, so I didn't have to rent or buy it. So ha ha ha. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, for me, yeah, run out and go see it or run home and see it. Don't walk, just go. If you love truly complete stories, you'll love this movie. I personally give it five thumbs up for me you know what were your thoughts heather i i I gotta give it five stars too because it's probably one of the best overall movies i've ever seen and it stays high in my list and always will well not just because it's my hometown or anything yeah and i've told numerous before and people may get sick and tired of me saying it but i'm a johnny depp mark I, I, I'm Johnny Depp too. 
there isn't a whole lot that he has done that I completely hate. There's some stuff that I've been a little indifferent to, but you know, you're not going to like everything that somebody does. Well, but yeah, much, much hats off to Johnny Depp for his performance in this movie. I think he completely delivered an amazing performance as did Mary Stewart Masterson and Aiden Quinn, all three of them. And like I said, you know, earlier, you know, you're getting introduced to the actress that would will become Julianne Moore and the actor who would become Oliver Platt. Yep. Because this is very early in both of their careers as well. But the awesome performances that they turned in obviously turned into bigger and better things for them too as well. So well, Julianne awesome. Moore is now as of today, she just dropped the Stephen King series. Yeah, because Julianne Moore is currently starring in Lizzie's story. Lizzie's story, Lizzie's story, however you want to pronounce. I don't think anybody knows how to pronounce it. And I think King even at times has dropped different pronunciations for it. So most of what I've ever heard is Lizzie, so I tend to go with that one. So I don't care. I know I love the freaking story. So like I said, I haven't read the book yet, so I can't watch the series till I read the book. But okay. I've got two other books I gotta finish before I read that book. Yeah, I I don't have Apple plus or apple tv or whatever the heck the services that they have it on because let's be honest i have every other streaming service under the sun so that when requests come for movies that hopefully i can be able to find said movies if i don't own the dvd or the blu-ray and i'm not complaining but i just i have a lot of streaming services and i'm not 100 percent convinced i can afford one more Right. Because streaming services are not freaking cheap, people. I, I'm going to have to wait to watch it myself right now because I'm trying to move to the University of Oregon, so I don't have the money. Like I said, I just cut my cable bill. Yeah. I, I don't have cable. I got those little streaming boxes included with my internet. So, yeah, but... I don't even remember where the heck we were going, but yeah, either way, I mean, this is a great movie, and obviously both of us being knowledgeable of said movie and highly recommending it, if you haven't seen it, get your butts out there and go and see it, people. You won't be disappointed in the least. I don't think, personally, if you are disappointed, then don't shoot the freaking messenger. I'm just trying to Help out the cinematic world get back on its feet after the pandemic 2020 2021. So, oh, so I should probably start by talking about one of the major locations in the whole movie, which yeah. is the house. Ben, I've got some stuff I need to get done so. Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna go probably play some Fallout seventy six because that's my other obsession in life is video games. True, video games are amazing. 
So anyway, like I said, I think that just about wraps up this episode. You know, I would like to thank Heather for joining us today. It was absolutely fun having you on. You are welcome to come back anytime you would like to come back and we can discuss other movies as well. Well, I think the next on our hit list is probably going to be Animal House. Yes, we had talked about, especially after you get down to Oregon, looking at discussing and diving into Animal House, which should be a rather fun episode for listeners to look forward to as well. How drunk can we get? Right. (laughs) So, with that said, like I said, thank you, Heather, for coming on. You're always welcome to come back. You are ever ingrained in being a member of the An Evening at the Movies family. And um, as far as An Evening at the Movies goes, um, I'm not sure how long Amanda's break is going to be. But um, when she comes back, we've got an episode on summer school coming up. Uh, we're going to, it's not a movie, but she and I are both passionate lovers of the TV show Friends. We're going to look at and discuss the recent reunion that was on HBO Max. We're going to discuss Clue. We've got stuff coming up, so you can always find Ooh, out. Jim Curry. Oh, yeah. Classic movie. I love that movie. I, I wore my VCR tape out of that movie because the VCR ate it. I've done that before too. So, but yeah. It says how old I am now. Aren't we all? But yeah, if you're a part of the Facebook group, I will always keep you guys updated on the schedule on the page. So if you're not involved in the group, let me know and we can get you hooked up and you can join up and we will be there for you as well. So thank you for coming on, Heather. I enjoyed the discussion on Benny and June. Thank you to all my ever amazing dozens of listeners for always being here for me. And I look forward to you guys coming back for an evening at the movies. Have a good day, guys.